When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Thank you for joining me around the fireside tonight. My name is Joe, and I'm here to tell you a story. A story written by one of you, the fireside community. A story created by one lady's love of her local country park and the folklore, tales, and ghosts surrounding it. A story of angels walking amongst us, written to inspire thought about ourselves and our actions. I am pleased to present part one of Angels of Black Park. As usual, please don't forget to like, follow and subscribe to Tales by the Fireside. Every interaction truly does mean the world to this channel. I would like to thank the author, Mary Crowner, and her daughter Sarah for allowing me to read this wonderful collection of short stories. I must warn you, there's a little bit of bad-ish language and some adult themes, so I suggest that our younger listeners steer clear of this particular video and the subsequent part too. So now, please... Get comfortable, let go of the daylight, and join me for our story. Angels in Black Park by Mary Crowner Luke's Choice It was comfortable enough lying here in the heap of autumn leaves. A bit damp, and I was starting to feel cold, but I wasn't in pain. I turned my head first, just to see if I could move anything. It did move, and so did my arms and hands. I grabbed a handful of red and golden leaves just because I could. The pain came when I tried to move my legs and feet. The memory of what had happened came slowly. I don't think I'm going to be able to help myself. I'm going to need someone to do that. I try moving my hand around where I think my pocket and maybe my mobile phone could be located. The search proved futile. Had it been taken? Breathing deeply, I let my eyes take in the surroundings. Tall trees, the smell of rich brown earth. I can feel myself sliding into sleep, and I know that's not going to help my situation, but the damp cold has become strangely comfortable, and if I'm still, I feel just fine. Sleepy now, I look upwards at the shards of blue sky, peeping through the high up branches where the leaves have managed to cling on, gasping their last breath before they flutter down toward me, maybe to cover me up in a cloak of many colours. As I close my eyes, my last thought 
was of just how lovely everything was. Things must have improved because the next time I was aware of my surroundings, I'm sitting at the roadside at the edge of the woods. I must have crawled here without realising. I couldn't feel any pain now either, and someone was walking towards me. Great, help at last. Though maybe I didn't need any help, I did feel so much better, and although it looked cold, I was warm enough. Maybe he could answer a few questions. Hi, I shouted as he drew closer, and then I realised I knew him. It was my best friend John. Bloody hell, John, what are you doing here? I think I must have taken a tumble off my motorbike, but I can't see it anywhere. I looked back towards the park edges. How did you know where I'd be? My friend didn't look my way, but was looking towards the woods I had been laying. Speaking at last, his tone was sad and angry all at the same time. You're a mad sod, Luke. You never look where you're going, do you? I felt that this was a little unfair. Excuse me, you'll hardly want to talk. Last time I was on the back of your motorbike, you did a wheelie and I nearly fell off. I watched as John kicked at the fence surrounding a part of the woods. You must have hit this fence. I can still see blood, even though it's been raining. I'm sorry, mate. If I had turned up at the cafe, you wouldn't have even been down this road. Bloody hell, John. Stuff happens. All's well that ends well. I feel great now, but I expect I'm in a bit of bother with mum and dad. Must have been out all night. I've only just woken up. On the upside, I feel great. John started walking toward the wood. Hey, wait for me. I'll come with. I could see John ahead of me, his head bowed, mumbling something. When I got closer, I could hear him say, It doesn't feel real. It's as if it's a joke, and I'll wake up in a minute. For God's sake, Luke, you promised you'd take care after the last time. You said you would never drink and drive again. Full of booze you were when you stopped off at the cafe. Marty called me. There was no way I was going to get on the back of your bike after the last time. Look, John, I'm sorry. I'd only had a few drinks and I was fine. Well, I thought I was until the accident. But hey, I've been lucky and I sure won't tempt fate again. Have you seen my bike? I've looked around, but it's not here. John wandered off and somehow I got distracted. A small robin was sitting right next to my foot, looking up at me. I felt stupidly pleased that it felt safe being this close. I was almost afraid to move, but obviously I'd have to. I wanted to shout out to tell John, but I knew it would frighten the bird. Then... I realised that John and the bird had gone. Now what? I decided to walk deeper into the woods, and then an arrowed sign said, To the lake and cafe. John had obviously been a bit pissed off with me, and decided to go get a coffee and maybe a burger. Suddenly, I was hungry, and decided to follow. I walked down the dirt path, and marvelled at how pretty everything was, how clearly I could see everything. I bet John would secretly love the place because he was a real country outdoorsy type. John wasn't anywhere to be seen. I could see people sitting outside on wooden benches, elbows propped on damp wooden tables, but none of them looked remotely like my best friend. I felt deep sadness, as if I would never see him again. It was a surprise to feel the water on my cheeks. I was crying. For God's sake, I needed to get a grip. Retracing my steps, I walked back towards the edge of the woods, Back to the road. This time I might find my bike. As I walked up to the fence, I saw a lady standing there, a man holding her. A bit old for that sort of carry-on, I thought. It made me smile, because my mum and dad did a lot of that. Was it that thought that made me realise it was my parents? 
I shouted as they got into their car, but they didn't hear me, and by the time I got there, they'd gone. Again, the overwhelming sadness of being pulled away from something important, something special, something now lost. The robin was back. I sat down next to it, and it let me stroke its soft feathers. Wow, how cool is that? I looked up to see if anyone could see how I'd been allowed to stroke the tiny wild bird, but no one was there, no one watching me. But I didn't feel alone. I could feel the soft yellow warmth surround me, and it was fine, and it was going to be amazing. You have a choice, the voice said. Was it the bird speaking to me? The voice continued, birds don't talk, not even here. You can return to your friends, your family, but you won't be the same. You won't be able to walk anymore. It was the rain and a dog that dragged me back to consciousness. I had been happy enough in the hole I had spiralled into. Even as I came upwards, I was thinking about how painful and uncomfortable it was going to be when I opened my eyes. Well, I didn't get that wrong. The pain, when it came, was every bit as bad and more than I had expected. I tried to slip back into the painless hole, but it was shut. and I had to deal with the reality of what was happening here. Help! I shouted hoping the dog's owner was nearby. Maria's time. I don't come here often. Not now. I've accepted what happened. I don't expect anyone to find me. Dogs have stopped sniffing, and their owners have stopped asking their dog what the matter is. The matter is me. Just dust now. I used to have a body, but it wouldn't be recognised. No one would say, Hey, that's Maria! Nor could you tell who I was just from looking at my bones. And anyway, some of my bones have been carried off between the jaws of dogs, foxes, and even rats. So unless you can see ghosts, and in all the years I've wandered around these parts, no one has seen me, run away, or asked, is anyone there? I used to have a dog, and I used to see him here in the park, but he didn't seem to sense my being here. So much for dogs' extra senses. It's not that my dog is particularly stupid either, because no dogs have seen me, or at least they never acknowledge me, nor even peed on me. So, you may ask what I'm doing here. Well, as I said, I don't come here very often now. I have given up expecting my body to be found and the murderer who buried me here in this beautiful park to be apprehended and punished. I come here because it's a lovely place, and I like to sit on one of the benches. I don't go very far, because I can't but I have the choice of four benches. One of the benches only appeared the time before last. It had a plaque saying, In loving memory of May, wife, mother and sister, sadly missed. I wasn't sadly missed because no one has found me. I wanted to go home and see if I could get a clue of what happened after I went missing. Did anyone report it to the police? Did the newspaper carry a story? Maybe with a picture of me? Did they put it on the front page? Did the murderer ever get caught and tried, even though they never found my body? He used to visit, but he hasn't been here for ages. I tried to scare him. I held my arms up and spread out my hands, and I'd woo and wail and say boo, but it didn't do any good. He never moved, and after a while, I was happier in the other place, and didn't come as often. Now it seemed he'd gone. He wasn't anywhere to be seen in my other place. I'd hate that. He must surely have sunk down into the ground, past my body, and down into the darkness where worms wouldn't even go. It was time for me to forget him, 
because he only lived on through memories. No memory would mean no him, and the world would never see him again. It was warm today, and I decided I could remove my coat and even my cardigan. I could see a lake in the distance. I tried to walk towards it, but I didn't seem to be able to. The last time I was here, I'd seen a young man dressed all in leather. He wasn't dead, but he walked in the shadows between. I waved, but he didn't see me. He was busy talking to living people who couldn't see him. He'd been given a choice. That's more than I ever had. He had decided to return to his life. Stupid. But then, he didn't know what I knew. He had only seen and felt the merest whisper of a cloud of what was to be. Maybe having no choice was best in the end. I looked around. How was it that we didn't believe in a life after life? Crocus, daffodils, new life everywhere. Nothing here last week, and now everything. Even the place I was buried on, a cold and wet night has growth. Maybe they are weeds, but I think they are pretty. And who's to say that it wouldn't be the cure for some terrible disease of the future? I could be the start of something very special indeed. I knew I wouldn't return again. It was time to let go. The hunger for knowledge of this world no longer held me. I felt the pleasure and light of the next. A hand placed itself in mine. Safety was promised. Certainty filled me. All would be as it was meant to be. I would love to tell you all about it, but we all have a different path to follow. And then there was Tom. I saw her as she faded away. She had been here nearly as long as me. Sometimes I could almost hear her thoughts, but it was fleeting. I knew she had been buried by a man long ago. She and I watched the man dig the hole, then push the body in. I could see her trying to punch his back, but I knew he couldn't feel her blows, nor she feel his back as her fists battered without any resulting pain noticed by him. After that, she sat beside her body until someone came to guide her away. She kept coming back. Not sure why. If I could leave here, I'd never come back. No one came to show me the way to the other side. I knew it existed, but I didn't know how to get there. I'd love visiting this park when I was alive. It's beautiful with its walks that meandered through the well-kept woods and a lake to circle. The lake had been my favourite place. It's still exceptional through every season. The lake ices over when winter comes and the trees and bushes around it slowly wake as spring slips under the net of fog and cold. Later summer wraps a warm blanket around the hole and as summer moves on, it becomes lush and swollen with the glut of food around for all who needed it. Flowers became redder, trees taller. Brown and reaching branches waved at me as the seasons changed. Leaves are green onto red and yellows. I think I looked the same as the day I slipped into the lake, full of sleeping tablets. I'd swum to the middle. It wasn't a small lake, so it took some time. The evening, warm. Then I lay, floating on my back, looking up at the twinkle of stars, and the full, luscious moon smiled down on me. It was when I could barely move I started to see the angels hovering. For some reason I couldn't understand, they were crying. The tears fell on my face, but I didn't feel them. After a while, I realised I'd only partly accomplished what i set out to do. I couldn't move, and then suddenly, I could, in the most glorious, pain-free way. Whoosh, to the right, and then to the left. It felt amazing, and I never wanted it to end. 
Then as quickly, I was standing at the side of the lake, looking, waiting to see which way I'd fly next. Was I an angel? But I looked down at myself, but I still had my trousers and white shirt on. No shoes or socks, but I clearly remembered taking them off when I'd arrived. The sun was up now. I'd arrived early this morning, just as it had peeped through the trees. A voice behind me shouted, I told you it's a body! No, it can't be Harry, maybe it's a bag of rubbish! Harry moved around the edges of the lake, trying to get a better look. The local Bobby should be around soon, he can decide! I watched them both, stepping from one foot to the other, clearly undecided as to what they should do next. The one called Bert put his fishing tackle to the ground and squinted his eyes to improve his sight. It didn't work, because he still couldn't make his mind up. I looked out over the side of the lake at the floating body and for the first time realised that it was me. I tried my new whooshing movement, but I was not going anywhere. I could move to the right and to the left, but not too far away from the lake, and I certainly could not lift my feet off the ground. This knowledge didn't really filter into my brain enough to offer a reaction. Did I have a brain? It wasn't a brain that worried, it just took on information and sat there, almost as if it was asking a question. I sure didn't have any answers. Over the next few hours, I watched, as first one policeman, and then others, and yet later a van to take my dead flesh away. I was alone. I couldn't fly after all, but the feeling never left me of how lovely it would have been if I could. I wasn't in pain, so that was something. Well, it was something then, but as the years passed, I wished it was still with me. Anything to feel would be good. I didn't feel happy, or sad, or excited. I'd been excited the first time a dog barked at me and jumped up at me. I couldn't feel him, but he could see me. I tried to communicate, but he ran off. Dogs and other animals could certainly see me because they reacted, usually by being afraid. They would howl or tug leads to get away from the edge where I stood. Sometimes I had bad thoughts and felt myself slipping beneath the ground. Rough, brown earth started to cover my feet and then my legs. After many years... I finally understood that I had not left the earth, but I could easily slip down into it. Finally, the thought came, if I go down when my thoughts are bad, then maybe, just maybe, that if I thought good thoughts, I might rise towards the angels just out of sight. But I didn't seem to be able to have good enough thoughts to fly. Things around me changed, but the lake and trees always stood around and in front of me. I did see others, though not exactly like me. No one spoke to me or acknowledged me. I didn't feel lonely or sad. I just knew things would be so much better when I moved on. If I could only figure out how to leave. I was sorry I had taken the pills and swum into the lake. I was sorry that I hadn't stayed to live out my life in a natural way. At first I thought that I would leave when my life would have ended if I hadn't changed things, but I had moved matter, leaving room for someone else to move into my space. I'm in limbo and I would just have to wait and see what happened next. Felt I'd been waiting for so very long. The young boy, around six I'd say, just didn't listen to his mum. Charlie, don't get too close to the edge or you'll fall in. Okay, mum. I could see Charlie had no sense of danger. I'd seen this so many times. Somehow children seemed to live charmed lives. I'd also been here long enough to know when it was not norm, when the balance of life was tipping. The wind was blowing from the wrong direction. Mum had been distracted by the small dog who wanted to join his boy to play by the water's edge. I knew everything was wrong and that Charlie was going to fall into the water. 
I shouted at the dog to behave so that Mum could see the danger, but the dog was also young and careless. Such a short life. Surely I could do something to help. I wondered if the boy, who was so close to death, may be able to hear me. I didn't think or wonder after that. I just acted in a way I hoped would save Charlie. Jumping into the water, I'd never been able to go in since I died. I jumped up and down in front of Charlie. My arms stretched out and splashing as I went in and out, but Charlie didn't see me and fell in. The splash alerted his mum too late, and as passers-by tried to help, Charlie sank to the bottom of the lake. I stayed with him, and I was able to hold his hand until he splashed no more, and slowly came to the top face down. I tried to turn him over to allow him to breathe, but I couldn't, and now he was smiling at me. Hello, he said. You look like the man in the picture. Charlie and that picture of Tom. It was quiet, very quiet. I looked at the boy and smiled, hoping he wasn't afraid. But Charlie was enthralled with me, and his grin widened even further. Wow, it is you, isn't it? The quiet changed, a swish here and a whoosh there. Softly at first, and then it grew. Never too loud, more like whispers in a church or a library as they moved into the area around Charlie and I. Hundreds lined the edges of the lake. The sky was full of them. Beautiful white clouds of angels, all of them here for Charlie, all concerned for him. It was palpable, and I felt proud to be standing next to this seemingly important boy. Had they come to protect him, to distract him, or maybe even to save him? He looked to what appeared to be the tallest angel for an answer. No word spoken. Not one angel had anything to say, but the boy spoke. He was still excited at my presence, looking at me like I was some sort of hero. I can't believe it's you. It can't be you because you've been gone so long. My teacher said it happened before even my mum was born. You're famous. Did you know that? Smiling down at the boy, I explained. I can't remember much about who I was. Just what happened here in the park by the lake. It was ages ago. You're the first person who spoke to me for a very long time indeed. I don't think people can see me. The tall angel spoke softly. I almost didn't hear him at first, but it was clear when you paid attention. The voice wrapped around us like a cloud. For the first time in a long time, I felt I was being touched and loved. The boy's hand held mine tighter as the angel began to speak. Tom, we have waited for your heart to open. Many times I have come to collect you. The angel spread his arms and said, We have all tried, but your heart had closed so tight, no one could reach you until Charlie arrived, and you tried, as is your nature, to rescue him. Charlie jumped up and down, saying to the angel, Please, please, let me tell him about who he is. The angel smiled and said, Of course you can, Charlie. Charlie told me that many years ago, an infant school had caught fire and that I'd run into that fire to rescue the children. I'd guided many out and went back to get more until finally I lay on the edge of the fire, exhausted and badly burnt. One other person had dashed in and out alongside me. The memories came back now and the story continued inside my head. How later in hospital I was told that none of the children had died apart from a few minor burns. All had been saved. However, the teacher who had helped rescue the children had fallen and the smoke had choked her. Tears fell from my eyes as I remembered the details. The fear of the children and the fact that my beautiful wife of three weeks had been the only person to lose her life. 
I remember being badly burnt and that I couldn't recognise my face in the mirror. It didn't even look like a face. Many people came to visit and it was clear that the love for these people was real. With tears flowing as one by one, I was touched gently by the mothers and fathers as they thanked me for saving their child and in one case, their children. Each movement brought ever more discomfort. After many months and a lot of care, I recovered enough to leave the hospital. Still, the families of the rescued children came to see me, and never a day went past that someone didn't visit. It was a small village, and the fire had touched everyone's life one way or another. But I missed her so much, and the pain inside and out was more than I could bear. It was with a sad heart that I took the bottle of painkillers and swallowed the tablets within, then left home for the last time and walked to the lake. Looking down at Charlie, I was reminded of his very young age. His face looked so sad, so I smiled. Are you all right, Charlie? We have a statue of you in our village, and we put flowers around it every year, even after all this time. Mum said, without you, none of us would be alive. You rescued my grandmother. Thank you, Tom. Through a haze of soft light, I could see Charlie's mother crying, people around her offering condolences. I looked over to the tall angel and asked, What about Charlie? Will he be returned to his mum? The angel touched Charlie and said, His circle is closing. He must come with us. I felt the ache of being aware of my past, but still made the decision. I will stay and leave when he is ready, if that's possible. She'll have such a sad life. It's so hard to live without someone so precious. The angel looked at me and sighed. Do you really believe you can make a deal with angels, Tom? In the event, it wasn't in my gift to barter a resolution. My wife wrapped her arms around me. She was all I'd ever wanted. The world and all its problems fell from my shoulders, and everything was as it always meant to be, slipping away into the comfort and warmth of the next world. It didn't matter anymore. The tall angel called Edward and the boy Charlie. The tall angel stood next to Charlie as the others left. Will you come with me, child? Charlie looked towards his mother and said, I can't. Mummy won't allow the thread between us to break. It's irregular, but not impossible. The tall angel, who said his name was Edward, smiled and sat next to me on the bench. I'm going to change the world around you for a moment, Charlie. Is that okay? What will you do, Edward? Stop the world. Edward closed his eyes and everything, including the people around me, slowed and stopped. Nothing moved. Leaves that had been falling were now suspended between the tree, branch and earth. People who had been walking, talking or eating stopped. It looked very funny and I started to laugh. I stopped when, looking to the right, I saw the tears frozen on my mother's cheeks. Poor mummy, she was so sad, but I really did want to go. Five years had been the span of life agreed, and unless I asked for more, then the circle would close. I wanted to go, but mum was so unhappy. I knew I wasn't supposed to have seen that pain on her face. I'd been so excited at meeting my family's hero. Somehow, I found myself betwixt and between, and now I was waiting to see if my beautiful angel could help me. Edward was pointing to an old man sitting in a wheelchair nearby. A younger woman was standing behind him, her face worn and tired. It looked so strange in the standstill world to see the old man's head move 
and looked towards us. The man is about to die, said Edward. He doesn't want to, do you, Ned? The old man that Edward had spoken to looked at us. I could see he was tired. His light that is all around us was fading, and the colour was a dull grey. I owe the world much, said Ned. I need to return. The prayer I've been repeating is to let me live longer to atone now. Give me the strength to make a difference. The knowledge I have after living my life could be a force for good. Suffering avoided. Some more stopped. The old man looked toward Edward. Are you offering me the shell of Charlie's body? I can't see how that would make a difference. I'd forget all I know, surely. Edward smiled gently at Ned. What I propose is rare, but has happened in the past, when conditions are set and the world is waiting for something special. It won't be easy, Ned, but you will be given gifts and an unexplained, to you anyway, knowledge of life and how to make a difference. Ned looked at me. What do you think, Charlie? Would you be willing to help me if I promised I'd be a good man this time? I want my mum to not be sad. I know what it's like to lose a child in one of my last lives. Be good to her, please, Ned. We all walked over to where my body was laying. A man was frozen in the process of giving me mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Ned stopped in his tracks when he saw my body. You're black. It was a statement of fact, not an insult. It will be harder unless times improve. The light around Edward seemed to get brighter as he watched them. It will not be as difficult as in the past, but you're one of the people who will improve that. Colour of skin will be less important than someone who has imperfections of the body and face. Charlie is certainly very pleasing to the eyes of these coming times and likeable. Importantly, he will have memories of your past, Ned, and this will give you a head start in your learning. It's time. Are you both agreed? I looked at Ned and nodded. Take care of my mum, please, Ned. She doesn't always get it right, but she sure tries. Good luck with your task. Ned took the offered blessing from Charlie and his angel, a feeling of the renewal already within him. If you could see us, you'd have seen some beautiful colours that would have put a rainbow to shame. As it was, Edward restored movement, blew the clouds to one side to let the sun shine and the blue of the sky reflect in the lake. And it was done. I looked one last time, just to see the joy on my mum's face as her little boy coughed up water and looked into her eyes. A new life. Edward, the tallest angel. I didn't need to sit, but even after all this time sitting still made me feel I was at rest. I was feeling sad. The weight on my shoulders heavier than usual. Being an angel had much to offer the soul, but sometimes the pain of the world would press against and on me to the point of knocking me off my feet. I knew that the other angels aspired to my height, because in my world, the taller you grew, the more people you had successfully helped. In the distance I could see a young man pushing a wheelchair. In the wheelchair sat another young man. Even from here I could sense his longing to leave this world. Somehow he seemed to know that two pathways had been offered here and he was now looking for a way out of a decision made without what he believed had been enough thought. 
He was prepared to do a deal, but he had no idea how or if it was possible. Just a glimmer, just a small but bright white light drawing him close to a path. My path. Edward listened to the young men discuss their world, their truth and their options, or the fact that options had not shown themselves clearly enough for inspection. I hate that you're always having to do everything for me. Luke looked up at John standing at the side of his wheelchair. The bloody wheelchair was his constant phrase for what John called his wheeled chariot. You know I don't mind helping. I like you. You're the closest thing to a relative I ever had. If your mum and dad hadn't took me in, I would have ended up in a children's home. You shared everything. Now, I can't remember you ever being jealous or cross that I had half of what had been yours. Even dinner on bad days when your mum and dad couldn't find work. Luke laughed. I don't think anyone expects you to look after me for life just for sharing what I had. You was easy to be with. Life would have been pretty dull without you, that's for sure. We had some great times, didn't we? And we'll have plenty more once we've souped up your wheeled chariot, matey. Now, do you want anything from the cafe? Tea? Coffee? Cake? A bad woman? I wish. Just park me by the lake and bring me a coat, please. John left Luke by the lake and walked quickly towards the cafe. He didn't feel comfortable leaving Luke anywhere alone. In truth, he didn't trust anyone to care for him other than himself. How could he ever do enough? His best friend, his almost brother, had drunk too much and gone riding on a motorbike. He'd asked John to come with him. And if he'd gone with him, maybe he could have slowed him down. Made a difference. At first, they'd thought that he'd been killed. But the gods had certainly been taking care of him that day. That was six months ago. It was early days yet but the prognosis hadn't been good. Luke had been told he'd never be able to walk again. I was sure with help that he would surely improve, and even if he didn't, I was more than happy to be his constant companion. After all, we'd always been together since his parents had been found dead of an overdose. He'd been six. He and Luke had been friends since starting infants, and their mums had gone to school together when they were kids. My mum had been diagnosed with motor neuro disease, my parents seemed to think that the best way to fix this was to die in each other's arms before the illness started to show. It seems they forgot about me. Luke's mum and dad had taken me home and in time adopted me. Luke and I fell into brother mode immediately and our friendship was, and is, as solid as it always would be. I just had to convince him of that. Feeling stronger and even more resolute than I had for some time. Funny how that can happen for no reason at all. I listened to John's thoughts. Angel ears could hear anything and everything they wanted, including thoughts. I knew the story, of course, but it wasn't quite what John thought. I sat next to Luke and touched his arm, allowing us to connect. Hi, Luke. Do you remember me? Luke couldn't believe it, but a red robin sat on his knee. I wondered if the bird knew I couldn't move, so felt safe sitting this close. Then I remember the last time a robin appeared to talk to me. I looked around to make sure I was alone. I didn't want to add to my disabilities by talking to a bird, or worse, to myself. Have you come to give me another chance to die? I would prefer that to this. I touched my legs, but then thought I should be careful or the bird would take fright. But it didn't. You're just fine. It will all be fine in the end, you know, said the bird. Or at least I was sure it did speak but found it difficult to believe my own eyes. Looking around, I checked to see if anyone else had noticed, but no one was interested in looking at me. 
It was just the boy in the wheelchair. You still have choices, said my bird. You could get better, and your friend could end up in a wheelchair in your place. You could look after him. Would you prefer that? Good grief, no, I would not. It's my own fault I'm here, not his. I just don't want to see him wasting his life caring for me, and he will. He's a fantastic person who'd never let me down. We all love him so much, and he never complains about anything in spite of what happened to him. He's always been so positive. Without him, life would have been very dull. The bird looked toward the cafe and watched Luke's friend approach them. He loves you very much and wants to care for you. If you're not around, he will change. Life won't be what it was meant to be. Trust me when I say your lives are linked, and as one needs the other, so you will both be in the right place to help. Smile, Luke. Be happy around him and wait for a time when he needs you. As I flew away, I wondered if I had presented myself in my angel form, it would have been more believable than a talking bird. I had found, over time, that each human had a different expectation of what could and couldn't happen between time. I watched as Luke and John laughed at the antics of two small boys licking each other's ice creams. I knew it would be alright for them, and that they would always see each other through the bad and so much more of the good times. As Luke's spirits lifted, so did mine. Sometimes happy endings were not as you would expect, but no one carries more than they can handle, and I and the other angels are always waiting to be asked for help. Just ask. The end of part one. Good night. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.